Today, I've got a shortened time, a very powerful service thus far, and I'm fixing to tackle a subject that would not be on my top 10 things to preach about on Sunday morning. But I am not chicken, I am not scared in Jesus Christ. Amen? And I love to preach the full counsel of God's Word. So this morning, we find ourselves in Mark 10, in a passage. I saw people come in early today, and they were already checking me. They were reading their Bible, they were reading ahead. Some people decided not to come today because they knew I was preaching on Mark 10. But let me just tell you, I, I'm gonna, my heart is to preach this with so much love and so much grace, but also with the same amount of truth. As I sat there and listened to this presentation for the first time for Germany, I thought about where America is quickly going. America is deteriorating morally and spiritually at a rapid rate, and it very deeply concerns this pastor, and it should you, and it does pastors across the land. That we have quit believing so much in the authority of Scripture, and we've started buying into what is my opinion. So today, let me tell you, my goal is not to teach opinion, and, and I got a feeling that some of you are, might get a little angry with me, might get a little mad with me, might disagree with me, but can we just at the end of the day saying, but it is God's Word, and the church said, and you know, because it's not the first time anybody's got irritated with me. As a student pastor, nobody ever got mad at me. But as a senior pastor, oh my goodness, I can find, I, conflict looks for me. But let me just tell you, here it is, the Word of God, Mark chapter 10, turn there, starting in the first verse. And then Jesus left Capernaum, he went out to the region of Judea, to the area east of the Jordan River, and once again crowds gathered around him, and as usual, he was teaching them, as he often did. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Now, have you noticed something already in this study in Mark? The Pharisees are not very nice. <laughs> They're always trying to set up Jesus. They're always trying to trap him. But move with me, verse 3. Jesus answered them with a question. What did Moses say in the law about divorce? Because he knew they liked Moses and the, he was a great Old Testament prophet. Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said, a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. If you're looking at scripture, circle hard hearts, stubborn hearts, what it says in your scripture. But God made them male and female from the beginning of the creation. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. <laughs> they couldn't leave it alone. Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. You're going, whoo, man. Have you ever noticed you ask Jesus a question or we have some teaching, but then Jesus comes speaks and when he speaks with such authority, but he also deepens the process about, oh, he said, Lord, I've not murdered anybody, but if you've hated them, you've murdered them. Lord, I've not committed adultery, but if you looked at a woman with lust in your heart, man, you've committed adultery. And Jesus is like, oh, my goodness, the standard of Jesus is perfection. The standard of Jesus is holiness. It is, but we've got a Savior. In the book of Malachi, just write it down. It's not on your notes. Chapter 2, verse 16. The, the old prophet, the last prophet of the old testament he says this the lord god i hate divorce now i want you to hear something god does not hate divorced people god does not hate divorcees and somebody's going thank you jesus but he hates divorce because he knows that it separates that it breaks 
that it damages. As a pastor, I do weddings. And I cannot tell you how that can be extremely complicated. You go to the hospital to see people. They've got their new heir to the throne. And when you've got multiple layers of family in there, sometimes it can be incredibly cordial and polite and kind. And I go, thank you, Jesus. And sometimes people will grab me right before I get this. Pastor, come here. I do not like them. They do not like me. It will be a little tense when you go in there. I just leave and say, thank you. I call Tim. Say, Tim, could you go? No, I don't. I go in there and go, gee, that was fun. I'd rather go over and get run over by a car next time. Okay. But here it is. Divorce is rampant in our society, but yet, if you look at history, it was even more rampant to the Romans. Some of them were known to have as many as 15 to 20 divorces. I went, oh my goodness, just unbelievable. America studies have said for years, 50, 51, 52% of Americans that sometime will divorce in their life, and you go on and on, and right now, I would not want to know. I don't want you to hold your hand up. This is not a sermon for condemnation. This is a sermon for truth. But it's greatly affected this room. It's affected the rooms that all gather across Montgomery and across the central Alabama and the state and the universe. This thing called divorce. And Jesus said here, or Moses said, hey, but I permit it. And it's amazing what he does here because, because God knows that my job is not to hurt anybody. My job is to bring comfort and strength, but also to bring truth. Because I, I bring the sword. I, I, every morning I put on my armor and I pick up the sword of the Spirit. You know what the sword of the Spirit is? The Word of God. And today, the Word of God might cut you as it cuts me so often. But that's good, and it brings healing. So I want, you to, I want you to hear this thought. I want you to write down this thought across the top today. Remember that our goal is that this house, talking about this living room, this sanctuary, is a house of healing and refuge, and the church said, I like that. And that's what I've come to proclaim, the good news of the gospel. But you see, you can't have good news if you don't know bad news and you don't know about the depravity and the depth of your sin. So when I read Scripture, sometimes I lose hope. But then I read on and I find hope in Christ, and so do you. And let me tell you this area that I talk about today, pastors and teachers and counselors, we can slay and fight and write books and uh, position papers and on and on and disagree and disagree but here's all i want you to do i just want you to go to the word of god for yourself i want you to go with an open scripture and an open heart and say lord jesus speak to my heart teach me truth i want you to do that on every single issue of life and especially on this one and you're saying well that's fair enough because but i'm going to try to teach it the best way that i know and the thing is i want you to choose life and i want you to choose life in christ and i want you to move on but here uh, another alternative passage is just if you wrote down matthew 19 1 through 8 but i can't get there for sake of time but this very same hardness that moses permitted for divorce it led many times to legalism okay and there's these uh there, there's these old rabbis and i want them to come up here there's a chart rabbi heliel and he said divorce is allowed for every reason. And he just, for, for every reason. I mean, you could burn the man's bagel and you could get a divorce. And it, it was just ridiculous some of the things that you read. And then Rabbi Shammah, divorce is allowed only for immorality, remarriage in that case. In the Qumran community, divorce and remarriage are never allowed. And so you had even these different rabbis and you have different pastors today that will differ on how they interpret Scripture, but we want to interpret the best that we can and say, God, give us a heart for you. Even from Bar uh, Barclay in one of his commentaries says, 
the the women in those days they really i mean it was these men they they were given these writs of divorce these decrees and they would just put off women and if they found a better looking women a woman they would just put them out and she would be just left to her own i'm thinking man that is sick that is just that's that's just wrong and uh so so you look at all these things but in in uh Barclay, he goes if a husband contracted leprosy then that husband he would uh be rendered in a perpetual unclean state and maybe she could get a divorce and so they had all these different rules and these different camps that would say different things but that's moses and then jesus comes and we just read at the end of the passage there going toward the 10th verse and it got pretty incredibly serious and it got uncomfortable for all of us in here but here's what i know listen listen god has never deviated from his original plan god's plan is one man and one woman for a lifetime and the church said and young people you need to hear this because you're saying man i'm not married yet well then listen to god's word and because there's a way that we let, let me tell you what happened friday 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 do you know what friday was august 10th but do you really know what it was it was my 39th anniversary to that blessed woman 39 years and yeah amen thank god yeah and you know what because we made a vow at eastern hills baptist church to holy god and to one another that we'd be that we'd be mates and we would be connected that we would be one to death do us part but let me tell you the coolest thing that god did there was this Canadian family one time that lived in Canada. They still live there. And they had these four beautiful kids. And one of them's name was Jeremy. And they got married, are you ready? August 10th. They've been married 33 years. Put your hands together for them. Isn't that a great story? Isn't that wild? So my kids get to celebrate our legacy that mom and dad are still fighting for one another and we're fighting for their marriage. And that's God's ultimate plan. You're saying, well, I don't have that story. I don't want to condemn you, but I'm saying, but this is God's ideal. This is what God wants. He wants us to embrace him. He wants us to go for him. He wants us to get rid of our hard hearts. But we're going to look at some things here in a minute. So I want you, hang on. Here, I want you to write down this when I say hard heart. Write down the word soften mellowed gentle open that's what god wants for me and for you he wants us to have hearts that are turned toward him hearts that are turned toward the scripture hearts that are open and pliable that the holy spirit might be free to do his work so here it is the plan of Moses, it was second best, but God's plan is always best, and God wanted us to do it his way. And it was this spiritual bond. I want you to fill in this blank quickly. Marriage is more than a social contract or cultural contract. It is a divine covenant. I talk to young people all the time. God is calling you. You feel compelled. You want to move toward union. You want to move toward marriage. And they stand there and they grin and they're so, they're just so happy and want to sit in each other's lap. I'm like, this is sick. And we, we just want to be married. We just love each other so much. But then sometimes, five and ten years later, they come in my office and man, they're bowed up and they go, Could you bring a chair in the room? I don't even want to sit on the same couch with her or him. And I'm like, Oh, crow. So, do you remember ten years ago when you couldn't take your hands off of her? Oh, yeah, but man, not now. Marriages work. And don't say amen. It is. But it's God's initiation. You know, this morning when I preached about divorce, Pastor Keith didn't make up the rules. God did. 
We're going to look to Him. Man, that's, that's healthy. And He says, leave and cleave and be joined and connect and be one flesh and be one spirit. And Lord, we want You to regulate our marriage even though we come as distinct, different individuals, different personalities. Now you turn to the person and say, turn, turn to your mate now and say, we got different personalities. Just go ahead and turn to them. Do you, anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she already, I already knew that. And God begins the process of being one when he consummates the marriage, and you're like, man, hey, hallelujah, I like that part, consummate the marriage, man, want to become one. That's only the beginning, that's only the start, baby. God makes this one. God is pro-covenant. Can you say that truth with me today? God is pro-covenant. Say it real loud like we mean it. God is pro-covenant. We're a pro-life church. We're also a pro-covenant church because God's for covenants. Man, you're saying, man, you're kind of fired up about this, Pastor. But you know what? Marriage is work. God takes two different individuals and he blends them together and their personalities and their desires. And sometimes it causes pain and trouble and conflict. And he used, listen to what I've learned. God uses our differences sometimes to sharpen us, to make us better. And if you're not married, you don't understand this, but sometimes your, your mate could be a little divine sandpaper in your life. And they're there to rub off the rough edges in you. You ever thought, you're saying, gee, I ain't getting married then. Oh, it's good for us. You know what? God has one goal, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And I think marriage is one of those great institutions that God's created, that he founded it. It's a permanent bond. And God shapes and wants to mold us through the marriage covenant to be more like his son. And yet we can run after him. Let's let's keep going here. The marriage, I just got to say this as I move down to this tough part. Marriage is the union between one man and one woman, exclamation point. Marriage has never been and never will be between two men and between two women. Can I be any clearer? Amen? I'm going to tell you what. The people that are preaching against that, I don't think they've ever read the Word of God. I'm sorry. I've got a lot of friends. They won't preach that today, and it breaks my heart. I unapologetically love the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to follow God's design. How dare me want to follow my crazy design? My design doesn't work. It's broken. It's messed up. You say, oh, man, pastor's kind of fired up here. Man, because we want you to have the joy of the Lord here. We, we want you to follow Christ. You know what marriage is? It's to be this permanent bond. It's like super glue. You ever had any super glue? Man, you glue something together, you know, and it, and it seems that, like that joint's even stronger than it was before. And, it, and that's what God wants in marriage to, to pull us together. But then let's say you, you super glue something at your house. And then you go and you try to pull it apart. What happens? Well, if you can get it apart, it gets ugly. You make a mess of it. And that's what God really wants to do in covenant relationship is he super glues us to the other person that we might serve him. So Jesus tells us that, God's, uh, that marriage is always his idea. And yet some reason over the centuries and today in America, we're wanting to abandon the precepts, the concepts, the truth of God's word. God is for marriage. God is for you. Right now, I, I'm not even pretending. There are marriages right now as I'm speaking, they're hurting. I meet with couples throughout the week, man. They're wanting to say, give it up. We're going to give it up. 
I go, no, you're not. I met with somebody just the other day, and they said, man, we're giving it up. I go, no, you're not. God is for you, and the church said. And the church, you need to have a voice. Church, you're the church, you're the voice. Don't say, well, man, I just want you to make me feel better. Just leave, just get out. No, no, let's listen to God. Let's listen to good counsel. But let's look here. Look, wait, i got to go there. God's intention was for one man, one woman to be united in a spiritual permanent bond. That goes in the blank, okay? You ready for that? Now, he talks about that, and he talks about, man, if you've sinned in this way, you've committed adultery, and you've done that, and you go off, and, you, and you've not done it God's way, that's sin. And you need to call it sin. That's what Jesus calls it. But there is an exception clause, if you will. You're saying, man, there's an exception clause in the Scripture? Well, I think that God does allow. Now, God, listen, God's ultimate goal is for repentance and for restoration and a reconciliation God, that's what god's for but the scripture does allow i donna i tell you I've, I've been studying this for hard for 25 years i've been reading and studying it for 40 years but for the last 25 man i've been just poured over it matter of fact donna i'll tell you she's coming and seeing me crying over these passages with couples because i want to be truthful and let me just tell you something about the office i walk in It's extremely humbling to be a spiritual priest on this side of heaven to represent a perfect God, and I'm so messed up. And I ask that you pray for me often that I would teach you God's word uncompromisingly, but with great grace and truth. I tell people some things sometimes, I'm thinking, man, I don't want to tell them that, man. They're not going to like me anymore. I got over people not liking me when I started Christ Community Church. And it was hard. I love people. I have a spiritual gift of exhortation, so I'd rather all of you love me and bring me ice cream. <laughs> but I figured I've got an answer to King Jesus, and I better tell you the truth. And we all better tell one another the truth if we really care about each other's soul. Amen? Let's go on. It's two circumstances here. Number one, fill it in, unfaithfulness. Jesus addresses that here in Scripture. And um, Matthew 5, 32 says, But I say that a man divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. So, man, Jesus is pretty clear here about he's, he's for this covenant, but he, but he does allow. Because in Matthew 19, 9, listen to this. I say to you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoever marry her is put away, commits adultery. In the Greek, the word's just pornea. It's sinful behavior, and they put her away for the wrong, or you put them away other than this. And Jesus says, but here's a reason. Here, here's an exception. And, and yet, God didn't mean he commands you to go get divorced. Somebody's been unfaithful to you. I encourage people that have been sinned against all the time. Let's pray for healing. Let's pray for reconciliation. That's the full text of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he, gives, he does give that exception there. But let's, let's move on here. So God's highest goal is repentance, forgiveness, restoration. It always was and always has been. But then this is the next one. I want you to look at it. Desertion by an unbelieving spouse. See, you, you, you can't just pick out a verse here. You, you, you want to read the, the fullness of God's word. And there the apostle Paul begins to address about deserting one another. And I want you to listen to it, starting in verse 10. Not the, hey, I want to go to verse 10 through 16. Listen, listen to Paul. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. 
A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And if the husband must not leave his wife, but now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. That's what God's Word says. And if a believing young woman has a husband who is not a believer and is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to this marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or the wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, this next part is unbelievable. If they insist in leaving, you know what, you know what Paul says from Jesus? Let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husband might be saved because of you? And don't your husband realize that you might be saved because of her? So uh, this would be a whole text just to, to teach on sometime, and maybe it will. But I just wanted to put this in so you could see the, the fullness of God here, that God gives uh, these exceptions here. And, and it's for unfaithfulness. It's for desertion. Those are the biblical reasons. Now, there, there's another reason, that, and people ask me all the time, well, Pastor, I was married to, to, to Jill. We don't have a Jill in here, do we? Okay. <laughs> I was married to Jill, and she died. Can, can I never marry again? Yes, you can be married. You've not read the Scripture. Jesus said, who will I be married to in the resurrection? You, Jesus. Now, you're saying, well, I want to be married to my first wife in heaven. We, you you got to get over that. But that would be, a physical death would be uh, a reason that you could go on. These are biblical reasons. But you see, here's what the world's taught us. Irreconcilable differences. That's a legal term. It's not a biblical term. That's not what Jesus said. You know, Christians, should, should, Christians, should Christians get divorces? No, they shouldn't. Now, there might be a reason that God allows us. I've tried to cover today, but it's not God's will. God's will is that we would work through our transgressions and we would find the grace and the power to forgive and to move on with christ and not suffer god is never intended never intends for anyone to get a divorce and he will always hate divorce but he will never hate the divorcee he he will never call a divorced person a second class citizen and i want you to hear that today some of my best friends are divorced i've got some friends and, and i don't know what they did they, they've been married multiple times we can't even count them sometimes and I'm like, man, you, you don't, I can't unscramble them eggs. But they love Jesus, and they have a testimony, and they're following after Christ, and the gospel has invaded their life, and that's the good news of grace. But this is just easy, man. Here's what I hear. Pastor, I'm just not happy. I'm not happy. You're not happy. No, I'm not happy. Well, be holy. I don't want to be holy. I want to be happy. That's not biblical, church. I pray you have so much happiness in your marriage that it, you walk in a room and go, man, that man loves that woman. That woman, if she loves him anymore, I'm going to gag. They just are in love. It's awesome. That's what I pray happens to everybody. But I want us to follow God's word. I hope this word today will, will speak to your heart. Now you're saying, well, pastor, I find myself here today. I didn't do it God's way. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on. I got good news. There's grace for you. Jesus' blood and grace and righteousness can cover. Now, let's just go ahead and call it. You divorce them for unbiblical reasons. I hope you've asked God to forgive you. If you're not, call it sin this morning. Confess it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and follow after him. And the church said, I'll do that. You see how this, man, you're saying, man, pastor, 
That's a tough, and some, I've already had people walking down and saying, man, look what you're preaching on. Like, are you serious? What am I going to do? Come up to Mark 10 and go, skip in this section. No, what I should have done is I should have gone on vacation today and given this to one of my friends. <laughs> and believe me, I thought about it. <laughs> the only thing is, I want to be a spiritual chicken, weenie. I want to be a spiritual champion for Christ. Okay, let's keep going here. The verse going to come up. Look at it quickly. Jeremiah 31, 34. Write this down. Tattoo it on your heart. Some of you have tattoo it on your arm. I don't recommend it, but you could. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. How many of you love this God that forgives us and gives us great grace? How many love him? Amen. But there's, it involves repentance. It involves falling at God's way. This is not just some cheap free pass now. I'm just trying to be real. And man, I could talk for a long I've studied this literally for 25 years. I've got more books and papers on this. And I'm constantly studying it, just saying, God, I, I, want, to be, I want to be true to the text. I, I want to make sure I don't lead people in error, Lord Jesus. I, I want to help them find your word. I've had some people say, man, you're going to make it tough. I'm going to have to go home and fight for my marriage. I go, absolutely. I'll tell you, there was a leader in our church. I won't quote his name. And, and when he first met, when he was AUM, church was exploding. And he came up to me one day. He goes, Pastor, I want to have lunch with you. He said, me and my wife, we're going to get a divorce. He said, I just started coming. We like you. We like the churches, but we're going to get a divorce. I looked across the table. I'd only met him twice. I said, are you a fool? I said, no, you're not. I said, that is not God's word. I said, you call yourself a Christian. I am. I said, why don't you go home and read the word of God? I, I, I just, I don't know what happened. Something just came over me that day. And do you know we became best friends? And do you know he went home and repented? He went on to have three kids with her. Oh, he, he didn't have them. She had the three kids. And, they, and to this day, they have a glowing testimony for Jesus Christ. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? But I could have just said, oh, man. Yeah, man, I'd just like for you to come to our church. Hey, do you have a big checkbook? Well, you just come on. You live any way you want to. I'm sorry, folks. I, I hear it all today. Sugar, if you just sugarcoat it, everybody be your best friend. Everybody uh, sing Kumbaya with you. Yeah, but, man, you've led them astray for me. You've got to lead them in the truth here. All right, here we go. Oh, computer, do right. Stop it. Hey, I'm preaching revival tomorrow night. Y'all pray this thing stays on task. Okay, here we go. So, uh, if you are, um, yeah, I, I said that. All right, here, let's fill these in. I, I, I'm going to put it on rapid fire, okay? Y'all, just, oh, I'm telling you, I got it a little bit late, and it's, it's hard. Number one, here it is, come up. Constant criticism, habits that lead to divorce. This right here will destroy a marriage in a heartbeat, and God wants us to be mutual encouragers of one another, and, uh, and, and yet criticism is, is, is a warning light that maybe the marriage is going south, and that tone could lead toward diverse, divorce. Diverse. I don't know what diverse is, but divorce. Number two, dividing everything into his and hers. I love it when I do weddings because I get to do premarital, and we talk about this, but I, I meet people, I intercept them along the way, and I don't know who counseled them, I don't know what they've read or not read, and they go, I got my account, she's got hers account and all that. All I know is the two shall become one. And to me it means soul, mind, body, checkbook, personality, life, everything. You know what I'm saying, church? I mean, all the time I'm like, oh, this is my money, it's her money. Well, man, she ain't going to pay the power bill, dude. The lights going to get cut off. It's your fault. You know, I don't know, just, just, just saying, just to keep on going. All right. Uh, number three, putting the marriage on hold while raising the kids. Uh-oh, anybody get convicted? I wish we had all our parents here today. Don't put, you, don't put your kids ahead of your mate. 
because you do. They leave the nest. It's an empty nest, and you've got an empty marriage. There's nothing there. Four, giving each other your leftovers. I've read this. I love it. Some couples have what I call cable company marriage. Have you ever noticed that the cable TV companies give you everything you want up front and a good rate? You ever notice that? But have you noticed after year one? Hey, Bubba, you with us, but we just went up $50. Hallelujah. Okay. And then, so they really got you, because have you ever changed cable companies? I have more than once. But you know what? It's a slow process, because it's so aggravating to change things over. I know you today. You go, I don't even have cable. I got Netflix. Okay. All right, number five. <laughs> Holding grudges and keeping score. This right here could lead you toward the area of divorce if you weren't careful. And uh, when our words and actions cause harm, we need to be quick to admit fault, seek forgiveness. Six, trust your feelings more than your commitments. Now, I've kind of talked about that today. I don't feel loved. I don't feel good. I don't feel, feel. My feelings, Pastor, they're all fickle. <laughs> no, let me just tell you. A vow, it's better not to make a vow at all than to make one and break it, says the Word of God. When you make a vow, God, I don't feel like loving them. I don't feel like loving this person. But God, I've committed myself to love them. So Lord, by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, I will love them with your grace. And the church said, that's what I'm going to do. All right, here we go. Seven, trying to change each other. We have a testimony now. Would you come forward? No, no, here we go. I mean, you know, you just, you, you try to change each other. I think it's just going to lead to great, greater frustration. Um, if the truth is known, the greater change needs to be in each of us. The one that you get up in the morning, go to the bathroom and look in the mirror. You know, you know, you know that person you look at every day? That's the one God wants to change. It's also the hardest. A planning the exit strategy. Now, Don and I learned this 40 years ago, and, I'm, and I tell people this all the time. I'm going to tell you again. It's just great, sound advice. Remove the D word from your marriage. The divorce word is not an option in our union. We're going to fight through good times and bad times, but we're going to focus on Jesus Christ and follow him. Is that not a good word, church? See, if you, if you start entertaining it, then Satan gets involved. You, you leave an open window, and he begins to intrude, and things begin to go south. All right, so look at nine. Here's today. It's just the world we live in, let's be honest. And this is, i, I got to hurry and land this plane quickly. Seeing porn, erotica, graphic romance novels, harmless entertainment. Is harmless entertainment? I've got a good friend that I discipled many years ago, and uh, Donna knows him well. He's a champion for Jesus, unlike many we've ever met. And his wife got into these romance novels and trash and stuff. And little did you know, it just led away and away into multiple affairs and destroyed his home. It'll happen, church. Oh, it wouldn't happen to me. It's just reading. It's feeding the mind on the flesh. And pornography, I'm not even going to talk about that one. I mean, that's one, you know, all the stats I see in the churches that the churches are consumed with it. So let's ask the Lord to help us to repent of that and have uh, strong minds, mental fidelity. We say we want to be... Uh, physically monogamous with our mate well let's strive to be mentally monogamous that we go god give us a pure mind lord give us truth and the church said and then 10 this is a this is number one but it's a number 10 and i'm really good at this one selfishness anybody can be selfish don't raise your hands you're selfish it doesn't to build and develop a great relationship. Uh, 
I'm going to have to forgo the children's section to next week. <laughs> Whew. Tell you what, I'm sure going to breathe easier this afternoon. Man, hallelujah. Yeah, you laugh, but I, I got to tell you, I've been thinking about this all week. I woke up at 4.30 yesterday morning, and this was all on my mind. When I'm in my prayer walk, I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to church Sunday. And then God said, yeah, you are. You're the preacher. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't want to go. Okay. All right, here it is. Listen to this thought. Here, this is my closing thought. Hey, just don't even worry about coming to the piano. I'm, I'm going to land it right here, okay? Hope for marriage is not just the worship of God or the, as the lawgiver and the creator. But hope is when we worship him as our Savior and our Lord. And this morning, all I know out of all that I've said, and maybe you got uneasy, man, I got uneasy with you, okay? Jesus is all we need. Amen? And make Christ the center of your life and the center of your home. And I wish we had 3,000 young people in here, youth and collegians that could hear this message on this side of covenant man how many of you wish you had everybody in the city could hear this message amen well, at least you're my friends okay the rest of like, i don't want to hear it hey anyway all i know is it gets a lot easier through the rest of the gospel of mark than it does on this subject okay nah it's truth hey let's pray and we're gonna pick up those wonderful kids uh chris you and uh help me i just went blank you look so awesome eric eric man thank y'all for serving with us for the last uh five six weeks and congratulations as you pin on your bars this week and uh chris could you just like send your voice in like just we'll fake it we'll skype you in or something how many of you enjoyed uh chris leading yeah wasn't that awesome yeah he mentored he taught doug gimlick what he knows so man <laughs> we thank you very much all right, let's pray, and uh, man, go go beat the Baptist to lunch. We're still going to do it, okay? That's my goal in life, that we beat the Baptist to lunch. It's really not my goal. I won't even get lunch today till later. We have an elders meeting, so y'all pray for us, that the Holy Spirit would come and meet with us. Father, we thank you for this amazing church called Christ Community. I thank you for the truth of the Word of God. I thank you for the people that gathered, the members and the visitors and guests, and Lord, we thank you for that Germany testimony, God. Thank you that we can visually see and hear and witness. Thank you, God. Next weekend, we look forward to hearing from Blake and students about Mexico. God, we worship you. Send us from this place, not condemned, but focusing on the truth of Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs>